As Sean said, I'm a first-year DPhil student working on direct dark matter detection. Dark matter is this amazing field, but we still know really very little about it. I'm going to talk you through some of the evidence, some of the reasons we believe in dark matter, and then show you a little bit the ways that we're going about searching for it. So first of all, why do we think there is anything like dark matter? I mean, we can't see it. That's why we call it dark. Well, there are other ways of detecting stuff in the universe. And one of these is known as gravitational lensing. If you have a big lump of something really, really massive, then actually, as light goes past it, the light rays are bent. We see this in the universe on really big scales. For example, here, we have the Abel Galaxy Cluster, which is really, really massive. And what we see is that the galaxies on the other side of it get stretched and distorted pictures. We can see some of them here, indicated by the arrows. And scientists have studied this in a lot of depth for this particular galaxy cluster, known as the Bullet Cluster. And what we see here is the results of their investigation. They used gravitational lensing measurements to work out where the mass is, and that's what we see in the two blue sections. But actually, the two reddish-pink parts are where most of the visible matter is, where most of the stars are, where the gas is, and so on. And we can see they just don't line up at all. We've got these huge clouds of mass that are nowhere near the rest of the stars. And so this is some of the first really direct evidence for dark matter. And it's not normal matter. It's not stars, it's not gas, and so on. What's actually happened here is that two galaxy clusters have collided. Each one had a cloud of dark matter associated with it, and those two clouds, in blue, have passed straight through one another. But the visible matter, the normal matter, the stars, as they've crashed into one another, they've interacted and pulled each other apart. And that's why we see the shockwave shape in the red images here. But there are other ways we can detect it as well. And in fact, there's one way we can detect it a bit closer to home. And that's by looking at something known as a galactic rotation curve. So we can tell how fast the stars in a galaxy are moving by looking at the Doppler shift of their emission spectra. What we would expect to see is what we see with the planets in the solar system, which is that those nearest the centre are moving fastest, and those at the edge are moving much more slowly. If we plot a graph of this, then we expect it to look something like, if we imagine the sun is here, we have a shape something like that. This, this curve falls off. In fact, if we do the same for galaxies, plotting the speeds of stars in galaxies, we get a totally different shape. We can look at these speeds, and we find, in fact, that it stays more or less level, all the way out to the edge of these galaxies. 
if we were to look at the stars and work out what rotation curve we would expect just given those stars. In fact, we'd expect it to drop off, something like that. So there's this big discrepancy. There must be an awful lot of other stuff in the galaxy, other than the stars, to be pulling the stars into these orbits right at the edge. So we know that there's dark matter, but the big question is, what is it? And the honest answer is, nobody knows. But we've got a pretty good idea of some of its properties. So, it's dark, we can't see it, which means it doesn't interact with photons, it doesn't interact with particles of light. But we spotted it through its gravitational interactions, so we know it must be massive, it must have mass. But the fact that we haven't seen it yet shows us that it doesn't interact very much, it's weakly interacting. These properties are summed up in what many think is the leading candidate for dark matter, the weakly interacting massive particle, or WIMP. And, in fact, I go searching for WIMPs. And there's a large area of physics which is devoted to this. The experiment that I work on is the LUX experiment. LUX stands for Large Underground Xenon. And that's a pretty good summary of the experiment. What it is, is a 300 kilogram tank of liquid xenon with a small amount of xenon gas on top. The hope is that a dark matter particle will pass through and interact with the xenon, producing a flash of light. That light is detected in big arrays of detectors at the top and the bottom, and that's how we can tell that these particles have gone through. The whole thing is then in a big tank of water to try and stop any non-dark matter particles coming into contact with it. And in fact, to stop that even more, we put the whole thing under a huge amount of rock. So the Lux experiment is actually at the bottom of a gold mine in South Dakota. In fact, what I'm working on is LZ, which is the upgrade to Lux. And that's 10 times larger. It's going to have seven or eight tons of liquid xenon in. And what the Oxford group is contributing to this is work on sensors for this main part of the detector. And that includes things like um, thermometers, sensors to determine where the liquid level is. And what I work on are position sensors. Um, the whole thing, because it's a liquid xenon experiment, has to be kept very cold at around minus 100 degrees C. So you can imagine, you build this lovely great detector, and then you get it very cold, and different parts of it shrink at different rates. Because it's such a precise experiment, we have to know exactly where all these different parts are, and if they're all shrinking, then we need to know exactly what's going on. So we have to build these position sensors. We could simply buy a position sensor. It would make my life much easier. But actually, 
there are no commercial position sensors which would be any good because we have to have everything extremely radio pure. We can't risk a tiniest amount of radioactivity and we just can't guarantee those levels from a commercial sensor, hence having to build and design it all ourselves. And here is a computer model of the sensor that I designed. And here is the prototype, which you can see here. And it's rather a lot smaller than you might expect, given the design. How it works is simply that we fix these three main plates to one part of the detector and this plunger to another part, and we can tell their relative movement by measuring the change of capacitance between those plates. So it's a very simple concept, but that means that we can make it both in-house, but we can also make it very radio-pure, which is essential in this kind of experiment. So that's, that's the work that I do towards this. It's only a small part of only one experiment, there are hundreds of experiments out there, all doing slightly different things to try to find dark matter. No one has found anything convincing yet, but these detectors are getting better year on year. And there's a real hope that sometime soon, we might start to shine a light on dark matter. Thank you very much. <laughs>